what that song's talking about. We're made like him. Man, when I awaken his likeness, heaven's going to be a beautiful place. Not because the streets of gold or walls of jasper or gates of pearl or some kind of mansion we have. No, it's going to be a beautiful place because of Jesus. And the thought of being made like him, mercy, we're going to have a lot to praise him for. Amen. It is good to see Brother Steve uh, get in here with us tonight. And uh, we've had a number of visitors today. I'm just praying and trusting that hearts and lives will be touched. And always wonderful to see Brother David and Sister Megan. Amen. And they'll forever be a part of us. And uh, appreciate how God is using them. Just believing he's going to do greater in them and through them in the days to come, as well as all of us. I want to read tonight, if you have your Bible, I want to read with us the book of Philippians, chapter number 3. We'll start reading with verse number 7. I'll use verse 10 as our key text, but I want to begin with verse number 7. Philippians chapter number 3, beginning with verse 7, But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss, for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, neither were already perfect, but I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore as many as be perfect be thus minded. And if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. I want to use verse number 10 where he says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death. I just want to preach with it being Easter. It's hard not to, for your mind not to be wrapped around and consumed with the thought of the resurrection, but I want to preach on what I believe was the apostles' heart and life testimony. I believe if you were to ask him what would sum up the sum total of all of his life as he labored for the Lord, 
I believe this would have been his life verse, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death. I want to preach on the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for your word. God, I am nothing without you. Please touch me, Lord. Touch my mind. God, that I'll remember everything you've spoken to me. Touch my heart, oh God, that it'll flow from me as you would have it to flow, oh God, that I wouldn't hinder it in any way or get in your way or that men would see me or hear me, but oh God, they would look to you. Hear the voice of your spirit. Speak to us, I pray. God, let our hearts receive it upon good ground. Let our lives bear the fruit of it. God, that we'll yield 30, 60, you said some, even a hundredfold. Grant it, we pray. Touch us around the altar. We'll pra <clears throat> praise you for it. We ask it in Jesus' mighty name. If you love him, would you say amen? Amen. The power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When we talk about power, we understand or we need to understand the source of the power. He said, what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. He said, yea, and doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. In verse number nine, he talks about Christ. And then in verse number 10, He's again talking about Christ, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. I think when we talk about power, meaning the power of his resurrection, that power has to be supplied by a source, and there is no power to be had, to be received, or to be given outside of Jesus Christ. I think the sum total of his life was I want to know him. Right. I want to be found in him. Yeah. I want to, to gain, I'm trading everything that my life has ever been. I'm counting that all loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus. The sum total of his life was to know him, know Jesus, and therein is the power of his resurrection. Not only should we understand the source of this power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is indeed Jesus. Second, I want us to, and we'll stay here for a while, I want us to see the standard of this resurrection power. And he talked about attaining. He said, if by any means I might attain under the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after. When you talk about wanting to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering and, being, and be made conformable unto his death, to be like Jesus, the songwriter said, when you desire to attain this resurrection life, uh, Know that, note that there is a standard of resurrection power. First, uh, 
we, he talks about the resurrection of the dead. And the word there uh, for resurrection is found nowhere else in the Bible. Though the word resurrection is found many other times, nowhere is this particular word that's used in the Greek found anywhere else. And he isn't, uh, this word isn't speaking of a future resurrection, but a here and now. The word there isn't talking about I'm going to get up on the day of the rapture. Not as though I had, to, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. He's not, what he, in the Greek, he's not given a word picture of the rapture or being called up when the, when, when the dead are called out to other, other graves and the, the earth and the, and the sea, the Bible said, gave up the dead and they were made to stand before God, both small and great. That's not what the word means. He's saying, if by any means I might, I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, it means a here and now resurrection, a true born again experience. Dying to the old and being made alive under Jesus Christ. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son hath not life. He is speaking about a true, real, relevant, born again experience. That is resurrection power. Has anybody else besides me experienced what the writer's talking about? The resurrection of the dead. Again, that's not found anywhere else. Just speaking of present tense, it means uh, or it represents a quality of life, a standard of life, if you will. Paul said, we know him not in the flesh any longer. Only through the Spirit may we know this resurrected Christ. Paul never met Christ in the flesh, and he was speaking to Jews, and sometimes uh, he, he even met with the apostles that walked with Christ. Uh, he said, though some of us knew him after the flesh, uh, we don't know Christ after the flesh uh, anymore. This is a spiritual walk. This is a spiritual road. This is a spiritual relationship. That's why a requirement exists that I must be born again. I must be dead to sin, but alive unto God. There is the standard. You must be born again. The standard of this resurrection powers that cannot be known or attained in the power of the flesh. Can somebody say amen? amen. He went on to talk about, I believe, uh, characteristics of a resurrection life. In the first I believe if you're going to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, you're going to talk about attaining or achieving this resurrection life, being born again. There are also characteristics that will follow this resurrected life. Number one, that this resurrected life is a life of separation. It's a life of separation. You're made separate from sin and you're made separate unto God. That's the twofold aspect of separation. 
Huh? Somebody tell me what you're separated from. Well, I don't chew, I don't dip, I don't smoke, I don't cuss, I don't, I, I don't, I don't, I don't. That's good. Why don't you? Why don't you? Because I'm separated unto God. The, the stuff that I'm separated from is not what makes me holy. It's who I'm separated unto that makes me holy. I'm holy because he's holy. Hallelujah. Somebody said I gave my cigarettes to God. He don't smoke. He don't want them. Amen. I count those things uh, as loss, he was saying. that That's uh, like waste. You know, he compared it to dumb, yeah. excrement, waste. Uh, those were wasted years of my life. Amen. But now that I'm separated unto God, there's no room for waste. There's no time to waste. There's no space in my life uh, to waste. Jesus is coming. Amen. I must be about uh, my father's business. Yeah, right. The night uh, quickly comes when no man shall be able to work. Right, this is a life of separation. Think about this concerning the life of Jesus Christ in Romans 1 and 4. This is, to me, one of the most powerful verses in the Bible, but uh, you almost never hear it quoted or preached about or even talked about. Romans 1 and 4 says, And declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. Amen. I almost just preached that verse for my Easter message today. Jesus Christ was declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness uh, by the resurrection from the dead. The Holy Ghost got him out of the grave and declared him to be the Son of God with power. Resurrection power because the grave couldn't hold him because he had no sin in him. I want to tell you the ones that get out of here in the rapture, the Bible said, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to, be, to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. That's the dead who have died in Christ. Their bodies will be resurrected out of the grave. They're with the Lord right now. To be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord, but their bodies going to be resurrected, and us that are alive at the rapture are going to be resurrected or raised with them, and made changed in a moment, the twinkling of an eye, made in His likeness. Listen, what a day that's going to be! But the, you, you must also understand the Book of Revelation. He said, "Blessed and holy is He that hath part in the first resurrection." over which the second death shall have no power. You're going to have to be born again, separate from sin, under God, just to make it in that city or to leave here in the rapture. There is a standard of this resurrection life. It is be ye holy, for I am holy, saith the Lord. Amen. The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead proved that Jesus was absolutely holy, undefiled, separate from sinners, the Bible said. Sin and death could not hold him. 
in Acts chapter number 2, beginning in verse number 21, it reads, And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God he had taken and by wicked hands that crucified and slain, listen to this, whom God hath raised up having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand that I shall not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh shall rest in hope. He went on to say, because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. He's Speaking of Christ, uh, neither wilt thy, thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Uh, men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath uh, to him that the fruit uh, or of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, uh, he would raise up Christ uh, to sit on his throne. He seen this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, uh, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he hath he shed forth this, which you now see and hear. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand until I make thy foes thy footstool. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified both Lord and Christ. What a beautiful and powerful passage of scripture that speaks to the power of the resurrection. That power is passed upon you and I when we're born again. No man can claim this resurrection life or claim to know this resurrected Christ but by the same spirit of holiness that the book of Romans in chapter 1 and verse 4 talked about. He was declared to be the Son of God with power by the spirit of holiness. And if you attain to this resurrection life, that same spirit of holiness will work in your heart. And in your life, a life of wholeness uh, is thus demanded by this resurrected Christ. Second, not only a life of separation, but a life uh, of total dedication. A life of total dedication. Amen. We, we, we read in the book of John, chapter number 10, beginning with verse number 15, as the Father knoweth me. Even so I know the Father and I lay down my life 
for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring and they shall hear my voice. And they shall be, or there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my father love me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. There's the resurrection. I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down to myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. The dedication of the life of Jesus Christ was not complete until he rose again. It's one thing to lay down your life, but if you don't have the power that resurrection power. Yeah. He said to take it up again, then he can't be the Christ. Amen. Paul said if Christ be not risen, then our faith is in vain. Right. It's one thing for us to lay down our life, but if our life is not taken up or swallowed up in the life of Jesus Christ, our testimony is vain. What I lay down is one thing, but what I come up as means everything. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, thank you, Jesus. I worship a risen Savior. He is everything to me. And I want to tell you what you are as the resurrected man or woman of God. That is what means everything to Jesus Christ. Not what you were, what you are. Amen. The dedication of his life wasn't complete until he rose again. Neither is it, a, is it enough for you and I to die with him at Calvary unto sin, but also to rise with him. And live and walk in the newness of life by the power of his Holy Spirit. You look in the book of Romans chapter number 6. Beginning with verse number 11. And it says, likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. But alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Do you see the resurrection power in that verse? Reckon ye, reckon ye yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are, that, as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. And then you know Romans chapter 12 and verse number 1 by heart, don't you? Yeah. Amen. Wherefore I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you would present yourself as a living sacrifice unto God, yeah. holy, acceptable unto God as your reasonable service. And be not conformed unto this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and the acceptable and the perfect will of God. That living sacrifice, he said, holy and acceptable unto God. A living sacrifice, the word living there literally translates resurrected. 
Woo! Hallelujah! Resurrected sight presents your body unto God. You were put on the altar. You were nailed to the cross. You died unto sin, but present your body as a resurrected sacrifice unto God. Hallelujah. Sin died at the altar, but not your life, not your testimony, not who you are. The altar was the beginning, not the end. Hallelujah to God. Oh, reckon yourself uh, dead indeed unto sin. You know, I grew up in Alabama and the only time I heard the word reckon. Hey, you want to go with us? I reckon so. <laughs> but that ain't the Bible way. That's not how the Bible's talking about. Well, reckon yourself dead. I reckon I'm dead then. It means determine. Come to the conclusion. Amen. That you are dead unto sin. I came to the place where I have determined myself to be dead under those things. The Apostle Paul said, none of these things move me. None of these things excite me. None of these things stir me to want to motivate me to live my life, to attain or achieve any of those things. I'm dead to those things. I've been crucified under this world and the world under me. That's resurrection power. Resur this resurrected life is a life of separation. It's a life of total and complete dedication. Jesus said, I give my life for the sheep. He said, therefore, doth my Father love me. Because I have fully dedicated, fully surrendered, and fully given my life to his will. Therefore doth my Father love me. Oh, God. I asked my own self, pinning words to paper, are you fully given to? Are you fully dedicated? Have you fully surrendered your life to him? That is the standard of resurrection power. Also, not only a life of separation, not only a life of total dedication, but a life of liberation. A life of liberation, that is, a life that expresses freedom in Christ. In Luke chapter number 12 and in verse number 50, <clears throat> it reads like this. But I have a baptism to be baptized with. How am I straightened till it be accomplished? You know, the baptism he was talking about was his death. Death, that's what baptism is symbolic of. We are buried with Christ in baptism. And we are raised with Christ. 
in baptism into the newness of life. This life of liberation, he said, I have a baptism to be baptized with and how I am straightened or how I am limited until it be accomplished. There was only so much Christ could do until his death, burial, and resurrection. Do you know that it was not until after the resurrection when Jesus uh, appeared unto the disciples and carried them as far out as unto Bethany and he was uh, lifted up from them back into the Father and he said, all power is given unto me both in heaven and in earth. After his resurrection, there was no limitation to his power. I'm just about to get happy. Is it legal to get happy on Easter Sunday night? Would I be described as being a lunatic or some kind of fanatic? (laughs) Amen, Sister Darlene told me I officially went too long this morning for a sunrise service. She said something about you. You're not outside. When you get behind that pulpit, you just <laughs> can't stop. Is it, is it even legal on a Sunday night when, when I know you love the Lord? A lot of people have, have traveled and be with their family, but you decided this is where you want to be. I'm not even questioning that. But listen, after his resurrection, there was no limitation to his power. He had all power. In heaven and in earth. If we had more of this life in us. Oh what a liberty there would be in God. Hallelujah to God. We had more of this uh, resurrected life. More of this uh, Holy Ghost power. It was the Holy Ghost that raised him from the grave. If the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also dwell in you, he will by his spirit quicken or make alive or resurrect your mortal body by his spirit that is in you. This, uh, this resurrection power gives you liberty in God that you don't have before you were ever resurrected. Wow, hallelujah, hallelujah. There's some places you'll never go until you go there in God, until you reach a place in God that he can show it to you, that he can speak truth to you, that he can lay his hand on you and anoint you. There's liberty in this resurrected life. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Why would I not want to trade that old life for this life? I'd rather have this life than I have throw a no-hitter. I'd rather have this life than to hit a home run or a grand slam. I'd rather know God than I had win a championship any day. Somebody said, man, he made the... Major leagues. I said, man, I've traveled around the world. I've stayed in grass huts. I've watched 
miracles in places where I should have been dead. Which would you rather have? Hallelujah. 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 I can tell you there's no, there's no comparison for me. This life is the only life worth living as far as I'm concerned. It's a life of liberty. It's a life of freedom. It's a life of resurrection power. Third, I want to talk about the strength of this resurrection power. We talked about the source of it. We talked about the standard of it. Lastly, let's visit the strength of this resurrection power. The strength of this power is to fulfill our life's purpose. This resurrection power gives us strength to fulfill life's purpose. He went on to say there in Philippians chapter 3 was our text, not as though I had already attained Either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that which also I am apprehended of. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. The strength to fulfill life's purpose. He said, I haven't already attained. He said, neither am I already perfect, but I follow after. Powerful words. We, we, when, we, when we think follow after, we think a wagon or, or a person or something's going off in front of us and we just walking behind. I'm following after. Where he leads me, I'll follow. But the word, the word there in the Greek, I follow after, is so much more aggressive than that. It's a word picture of you chasing something down. Of you just vehemently in hot pursuit. Somebody trying to outrun you or outmaneuver you or get away from you and you are running them down with the intent to, to catch them. That's what he's talking. I follow hard after the Lord. I'm hot on God's trail. Amen. This is our life's purpose. This is our life's goal. Listen to this in Acts 9 and verse 4. This is the Lord speaking to Saul, who was the apostle Paul who wrote this that we're preaching about in Philippians. He said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? That's the same exact word in the Greek. It is the Greek word dioko. As I follow after. It's the same word. One says persecute. The other says follow after. It's the same word in the Greek. Dioko. It means to pursue by implication. To 
persecute, to ensue, to follow after, given to, or press toward. Again, he uses it a few verses later. I press toward the mark. Same word, dioko. I pursue. I reach for. I desire. I long after. He's stating that God has so transformed his life as to cause him to vigorously pursue Jesus Christ and his will with the same passion and vigor as he persecuted the church. Jesus said unto Saul of Tarsus, why are you persecuting me? Why are you chasing my people down? Why are you vigorously pursuing my followers to kill them and cast them into prison? And now he's using the same word that Christ used. It said, I am vigorously pursuing. I am vehemently chasing down and trying to catch and lay hold upon this Christ and his will for my life. He said, I am as in love with Christ and pursue Christ with the same love and infatuation that I pursued after sin. If you pursue God like you did the high, oh, how full you would be. If we pursue God like a drunk did his bottle, oh, how full we would be. You ain't going to stop him from drinking. You ain't going to stop the addict from finding a hit. And you ain't going to stop or keep a child of God I said, you're not going to stop or keep a child of God from touching heaven and receiving this Holy Ghost power. Hallelujah. I feel God in this place tonight. Amen. God has a purpose for our life to conform us to Christ, being made conformable unto his death, that his zeal might swallow us up. We will have his heart. We will have his passion. We will have his desire. And we will have his work ethic. Oh, God, fill me with this resurrection power which is none other than the power of the Holy Ghost. Strength to fulfill life's purpose and also strength to forsake this life's preoccupation. What do you mean strength to forsake life's preoccupation? Forgetting those things which are behind me. Forgetting the former life. Forgetting the former self. He said those things that I used to count as gain are now lost to me that I might win Christ. Yes, sir. Yes. Preach. Christ is my reward. Christ is my achievement. Christ is my attainment. Christ is what I'm after. Forgetting those things which are behind Failures. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Failures. 
Somebody said, you just don't know how many times I've failed. Forget it. If dwelling on your past defeats is going to get you any closer to God, then dwell on them. Be consumed with them. Be overwhelmed by them. But if it's not going to get you any closer to God, forget it. Leave it at the foot of the cross and walk with God. Hallelujah. All I did was dwell on the things that I should have done and didn't do them well enough. The times that I should have prayed more but didn't put in enough time. The time that I should have been more dedicated but I wasn't and I failed. Hey, you don't need to convince me that I failed. But I'm not pursuing failure. I'm pursuing perfection. I've left those things behind and I don't intend to finish the race as a failure. I don't intend to finish as a failure. When you fail, forget about it. They're behind you. They're under the blood. It's gone. Forgiven. Here's what's harder to forget about. Your successes. The things you did right. The things you did well. We don't want to forget about those, do we? You spend all your days patting yourself on the back for how you used to pray, for how you used to fast, for how you used to walk with God and flow with his anointing. You'll never fulfill God's purpose for your life. Yesterday's gone. Today I'm in need. Holy Ghost power. Holy Ghost power. Pain on me. Thank you, Lord. Yes. Amen. Thank you. I'm not looking back. I'm not holding back. Success and failure, all that's behind me. Why are we willing to move forward and press ahead in school? You ever failed a test? Why, sure you have. You've taken enough of them you have. You ever failed any test in life? Yeah. Sure you have. If you've been involved in enough, <laughs> you were broken hearted. You were discouraged. You fail a test. You know what you do? You study harder for the next one. You know, man, I made an F on that one. I need to make an A on the next one to cancel that one out. Isn't that, isn't that the way a good student does? Yeah, right. I failed one test. I'm done. I quit. They go find a job. I'm done with school. Why? I failed a test. Really? Just one? Because when you get on the job, you're going to fail at a task. You're going to do something that makes you say, ah, mess that up. <laughs> the boss is going to say, what did you do? And he's like, I don't know. 
He's going to tell you what you did wrong. And he goes, ah, I quit. I quit. I messed up. I'm done. I'm never working here again. Really? As a husband or as a dad or just as a human being, at some point in your life, you're going to mess up. You're going to fail. You're going to have one of those moments where you're going to have to reckon yourself to be dead to those things. But alive unto God, I'm going to keep on keeping on. Forgetting those things which are behind. Why are we willing to move forward and press ahead in school? On the job or in life, but not in the church. God didn't save perfect people. He saved sinners. I said he saved sinners. He saved people that come to a realization, I can't make it without the Lord. I've messed up. It's in the Bible, Lord. How many times should we forgive a man? Until 70 times seven? No. You'll forgive him. Or, or he said, how many times should I forgive a man? Seven times? He said, no, 70 times seven. Do you think he's only going to mess up seven times in his life? Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> 70 times, he's just trying to say, you're dealing with imperfection. You're dealing with people here. Help them get beyond their mistakes. Help them get past their imperfection and help them to reach for what God desires for their life. What if preaching was only pointing out what's wrong in people's lives? Man, it got just dropped dead quiet. What are you preaching, Brother Steve? Was me only telling all of you what's wrong with you? Number one, it'd be hypocritical. Because obviously the apostle said, I have not already attained, neither am I already perfect. Hello? But I'll tell you what preaching is. Is casting Jesus in front of a man's eyes and say, that is what God has ordained you to be like. Reach for him. Pursue after him. Keep him ever before you and be made conformable unto him. Most people know how messed up their lives are. And for you to only browbeat them about everything that is wrong in their life is only half the message. The other half is reaching forth. (laughs) Oh, to be like Jesus and to make him touchable, to make him attainable. Christ left heaven and came down and dwelt with man. Do you know his name is Emmanuel? God 
with us. Do you know the resurrected Christ is still Emmanuel, God with us? He said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Lo, I'm with you always, even until the end of the world. Strength to foresee the promotion of life. He said, I press toward the high calling, toward the mark. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. The high calling of God is to be like Jesus. You'll never be any greater than Christ is. The high calling of God is not to be a preacher. The high calling of God is not to sing or to be a musician. The high calling of God is not to be a Sunday school teacher, a missionary, or a deacon in the church. The high calling of God is to be like Jesus. I'm absolutely convinced of the imminent return of Jesus Christ. We're on the brink of the rapture. Oh, yeah. This talk of vaccine passports has made without this, beyond any shadow of a doubt, the realization of the mark of the beast is upon the world today. Oh, yeah. They want to pass a law even in America. Israel's already passed it, if you can imagine that. Israel has already passed this law that without a vaccination passport, you cannot freely function in their society. I thought, wow. Benjamin Netanyahu, you might belong to God's chosen people, but you are a dummy. And I like Netanyahu. I'm for it. I'll tell you, if they want to pass a vaccination passport law in America, I'll just be the rebel. I'm not caving to a system that's prepping the whole world to receive a mark that without it you can't buy, sell, or trade. Or do. I'm not saying the vaccine's a mark. Don't you, don't you leave here saying that I said that. No, no, not at all. Not in the least do I think that. I'm just telling you the world's being conditioned. We're on the brink of the rapture. Before the Antichrist can ever show up, the church is going to leave this world. Amen. I'm looking for Jesus. Yeah. Signs are pointing to his coming. And until he gets here, our one desire should be I'm pressing toward the mark of the high, not the mark of the beast, but the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And those that press for that mark will never receive his mark. In his last letter, he states, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Paul could see this strength to foresee the promotion of life 
this resurrection power will give you strength to foresee your crowning day. Why won't you quit? How can I quit so close to home? Brother Steve, you in Texas, you travel all the way across, across the state line, stop and get you a hotel room, come see Sister Nita tomorrow. Nope. He crosses that state line of Alabama after going all the way across the country. He's sniffing home. I'm almost home. I'm almost about to be with Mama again. Ain't no stopping now. You ever been on a long trip? Ain't that the way it is? Stop now. An hour from the house. Get a hotel. <laughs> nope. I'm almost home. There's something about being able to see his crowning day. He could see heaven as his home. He could see this eternal Christ as his reward. He could hear the Lord say to him, well done, good and faithful servant. How many of us have received strength to do, to do the same? I don't feel like quitting tonight. We are living in unprecedented times. I don't know as full of the Holy Ghost as our forefathers were. They knew that perilous times were coming, but I don't know that they ever could have looked and seen this. What the church would be facing now. What we would be up against spiritually. What we would be up against as a nation spiritually. I don't think you ever could have convinced me that in America an election could be outright stolen by the opposite party and it would just be swept under the rug. That's third world country stuff. That can't never happen in America. We're, we're a nation of law and order and justice. Can't happen, won't happen, did happen. They will never Nobody ever going to shut the church down and tell us we can't come to church and worship God happened. Nobody's going to come up with no passport and tell me that I can't shop, that I can't go to the gas station, that I can't walk into a restaurant and eat unless I show them a certain car. About to happen. We're facing this, I don't know, this spirit of the hour that says to the true child of God, you may as well back down. You may as well get off your high horse. You may as well prepare yourself for the worst or for defeat. I think Sister Megan said it's like a disease. In the, this disease of defeatism. This disease of spiritual slumber and death just came into it. I just don't feel like quitting now. Amen. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
I just don't feel like giving in to any foul spirit of hell. Not this close to the rapture. I feel like pressing. I feel like reaching. I feel like preaching. I feel like laying hands on our children and seeing them baptized in the power to face this certain, this certain spirit we're fighting against. To tell them we're the head and not the tail. Hey, we're the conquerors and not the conquered. We're the victors and not the victims. The church is going up, not down in defeat. If you're able, stand with me tonight. Have I not said unto you in my word that I, the Lord, am a quickening spirit? I make alive. My spirit is the power of resurrection. Seek my face. Call upon me and ask of me of this late hour, saith God. It is my desire to raise you up in the last day, saith God. To quicken you by my spirit. To fill you with my life-giving power. And ye shall stand in the last day. Girded by my strength and power. And I will cause you to triumph in the power of my son. For I have declared it. Saith God. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, let's flood this altar tonight and ask God to make us partakers of his resurrection power. Let's let it become our life's verse. Let's let it become our life's passion. Oh, to know him in the power of his resurrection. Fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death to be like Jesus. My greatest desire. Hallelujah.